Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with $12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. With two ways to win and no rate. Circa Million with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. And Circa Survivor. Select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with $12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircaSports.com for details. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Aloha on a beautiful Friday and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. I'm joined as always by G. Hey Wiley, Armani Buckets and Brandon Deutsch. How are we doing on this glorious Friday? I mean, I know Brandon doesn't like my shirt because it uh, <laughs> it, it basically represents uh, Boston winning, but I, I promise you that was not the case. But I, I'm actually psyched because I'm about to win this bet. Wow. I, I mean, I think I'm about to win okay. this bet. Yeah, I'm doing... one to, uh, for the Celtics to win the East. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing well, and I was kind of surprised. Um, Armand, you might be right about the the, five, the four straight Celtic wins with the way they looked yesterday. I'm not doing well because we haven't had a competitive NBA game in that's like true. a year. You'll get one tonight. You'll get one tonight. So. You'll I get one so. tonight. All right. I mean, that's the reason why I love hockey. I'm just going to say. Oh, that's true. I wow. love hockey. Because Last second goal in the playoffs. It's hard to beat that. that, that I, I mean, the, And the Avalanche actually lost. I yeah. thought they'd yeah. never lose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm... I'm super psyched about hockey. I love the fact there's no parody there. Yeah. Gotta love the playoffs for hockey. All right, let's get to today's headlines brought to you by Circa Sports. Circa Million Circa Survivor Pro Football Contest are back with $12 million in guaranteed prizes. Visit CircaSports.com for details. Hit it, Jihei. <laughs> well, speaking of Celtics... Jason Tatum scored 27 points. Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown each had 24. And the Boston Celtics went on to a massive first half run to roll past the Miami Heat, 127 to 102 on Thursday night in game two of the series. The series is now tied, guys, one to one. I know you're not happy about it. Um, but the Celtics looked like a completely different team with Marcus Smart and Al Horford back, like I said they would. Could this <laughs> series effectively be over after games three and four in Boston? Yeah, I did think of you. Armani Bucket said, listen, we, we could be seeing four straight wins. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's slow our roll there. But this is a different team. It wasn't like this was the same exact Celtics team that lost game one. Marcus Smart, huge difference in that game. Horford, big on the defensive end. So, I mean, this is a different Celtics team. You, you guys kind of touched on it, how good they are and how realistic is the possibility that they could win the championship this year. So, I mean, there's no doubt about it. Not only did they tie the series 1-1, it's going back to Boston, games three and four. I mean, if they win these next two games, come back up 3-1, I, I, I think obviously without <laughs> going out on a big limb, this series is done. But to Buckets' point, can we get a good playoff game? This is supposed to be the NBA playoffs. These these are supposed to be the top four teams in the league. And the number of blowouts. I mean, the Mavericks have, this is an amazing stat, have won three games by 20 and have lost three games by 20. It's ridiculous. And so I'm just hopeful as a casual observer. And when I say casual observer, no Los Angeles teams, no Lakers. So I'm just here 
for a good time. I'm just trying to watch a good game. And generally speaking, by the second half, I'm watching something else. I'm watching maybe uh, Below Deck or Bravo or something like that. So hopefully we get a good game tonight, guys. Yeah, um, I feel like it will be a good game tonight. Well, I know we're going to get into that, but I'm not surprised how the Celtics played. Marcus Smart, Al Horford, huge difference in there. Jimmy Butler's going to need some help. I know I mentioned that Tyler Hero wasn't doing great in the first game, and he's going to need to step up big time. is going to need to step up big time. And it's about offense now. Like The Celtics are going to get their points. They're going to play good defense. The Miami Heat need a free-flowing offense, and they don't have that right now. It's Jimmy Butler, get the ball, screen, give maybe Struce an open shot, but they're not getting those open shots. So they need Eric Spolster is good at making adjustments, but not even a coach like that, like an all-time great coach, is going to be able to make enough adjustments to win the series against Boston. Before Armand goes off, where the heck is Tyler Hero? Mm-hmm. I just, I, I just have He's to hanging ask with this. Jack Harlow. Probably. Uh, apparently, hey. like, you know, where is he in this series? Yeah, like, like one good been, game against the Sixers, but yeah, he has not showed up at all in this series. Not showed up at all. Like, I'm just, I'm, my mind is blown because I still think that kid is phenomenal. Like, he's a great, great player, and he, he could be, he should be the number two on this, on this squad, and he's nowhere to be found. Yeah, he's done that a couple times now in the postseason, but I, I, I just think this series is over. I mean, the Boston Celtics are in a different weight class than the Miami Heat. The Eastern Conference Finals was the last series that we saw between the Bucks and the Celtics, and now the scariest part and the part that people don't want to come to terms with, this Celtics team not only should be considered the favorites this year, we're looking at a potential dynasty oh, in the making. No, I know that. I know that's. You premature. sound like Kendrick Perkins. I know that. I know. I know that's premature. Bucks. But think about it for a second. Robert Williams is going to be a great center in this league for a very long time. He hasn't even been healthy in the playoffs. Peyton Pritchard's coming into his own. People, I don't think, realize how good that that kid can be. Then also, you have other guys. Marcus Smart's coming into his own in a different way. And then Grant Williams' emergence in this playoffs. They have like a seven-man rotation that should stick together for the foreseeable future. What team in the East or in the NBA can say that? Maybe Golden Milwaukee. State. Milwaukee. Yeah. I agree. If Middleton's yeah, healthy. Then Celtics don't but win that series. But they're getting older. For, for that. But they're getting a lot older. Brooke Lopez is going to be 35. I mean, I really think that this Celtics team, this isn't just a one-year thing here. Well, They're yeah. going to get better. It's No one's denying that. Like this is We've mentioned this in previous previous shows, that it could be Luka versus Tatum for a long time in the finals if we get that. You know. I, I mean, with, with that said, I'm, gonna, I'm blowing the horn on that because that's like them being a dynasty. Like, I, I don't know, man. I understand like, they have to win one first, but yeah. I just think that the way that they're emerging as a unit they're young. Other than Al Horford, they're going to be here for a long time. I would say the Warriors are more of a dynasty if they win this year and in the next in the next couple of years than the Celtics, though. Yeah. Moving on, Game 2 of the Western Conference Finals are tonight with the Golden State Warriors hosting the Dallas Mavericks, holding a 1-0 lead in the series. The Warriors won Game 1, 112-87, led by 21 points from Steph Curry, the man, while uh, Luka Doncic scored 20 points for the Mavs. The Warriors are favored by 6 points. Man, that's a lot of points. Yeah. Uh, tonight by Circus Sports. Can the Warriors win and take a 2 to nothing lead? And if they do, how hard would it be for Dallas to win four of the next five games? So two thoughts on that. Six points is a lot. And if I'm listening to the guys here, I mean, that's that you have to take that bet. I mean, six points. I mean, even if the Warriors find a way to win, maybe they win by two, three, four, five, whatever. I mean, six points, that's a lot of points. Uh, when you look at perhaps a lot of people are saying that the Mavericks might find a way to come back and tie this series. The other thing, 
And yes, the Mavericks do like to be down two to zero. It is very hard <laughs> to it. beat a, a a championship team. In a, you know, in the immortal words of Rudy Tomjanovich, never under, uh, never underestimate the heart of a champion. These are champions: Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson. I mean, if they take a 2-0 series lead, it will be as much as we like the Mavericks. Very hard for them to win four of the next five uh, games here. So. A, I'm taking the Mavs tonight because I like those six points. B, and I don't want to say this is a must win because we've seen the Mavericks come back, but to go up against them, to go up against the champions, and they're not current champions, but they have the heart of a champion, that will be really hard to do. Yeah, Mavs money line first off. I think they win tonight. Uh, I think they know the, the stakes. This is not the Phoenix Suns. This is a championship caliber team. No offense to the Phoenix Suns who went to the final yeah. last year, but we know that's because of injuries. No offense to them. Um, look, I think it's it's crazy that people push this narrative when the Heat are up 1-0. Like, okay, it's good. It's okay for the Celtics. But when the Warriors are up 1-0, they're going to win the championship. Yeah. Mavericks have no shot. Like, I hear everybody in media in, in the media saying this. Um, and, you know, on this show, we're not being responsible media members. We are not going to say that the Dallas Mavericks still have a chance to win. And not only the series, but in six games. And it starts tonight. Uh, they're not going to shoot 11 out of 48 from three tonight. <laughs> if, if they shoot threes, they will make at least 35% of them. I think this is a win. I think Luka Doncic, you can lock him in on the over on 31.5 points, I think it is. He's going to score 40 points. It's all about Brunson and Dinwiddie. Are they going to step up? I think they do. And I think the Warriors offense will get unusually or usually, considering the last series, stagnant tonight. I'm taking Dallas. You just mentioned it, Brandon. The first quarter of the last game was really the the thing that set the momentum for the Mavericks missing shots all night. I mean, if they come out in the first quarter and play with a, uh, with a lead and just maintain that lead, that's their comfort zone. Once you fall behind against Golden State, once you're, you're behind 10 yeah. points, you're done. So you have to come out in the first quarter. You don't need to punch them in the mouth. Just have like a three to five point lead so you can maintain that throughout the game. And like you said, it all comes down to hitting shots. If they can hit their open shots, I expect... Luca to be posted up a lot more tonight. They have to find a way to generate points in the paint. Last game, they were not attacking the basket nearly enough. Some of that is because Golden State's defense is great at rotating, but they don't have rim protection. You got to get to the basket and find a way to get points in the paint. I, I agree. Like that, that down low presence is nil for the Warriors, and you need to take advantage of that. The fact that they play that small ball, and I personally am not a huge fan of it. I, yeah. You have to take advantage of that. Like Luka needs to get down there. They need to figure out like a way to get down there. And it's paint. like it's like when Stephen Adams came into the series against yeah. with Memphis against Golden State. That completely changed the landscape of the series. I expect. Yeah. Luca to get the back pick to come around into the post, have guys cut more. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith get the ball in there, give it to Luca and post up. Yeah. Well, guys, former Pittsburgh wide receiver Jordan um, Addison will transfer to USC to play this fall. He announced on social media on Thursday the first team All-American, and I'm gonna biff up this award. Blitnikoff Award winner, I best wide receiver. Don't want. I, did, I just didn't want to. I didn't want to biff up his name. Um, well, uh, he visited USC's officially over the past weekend, and will reunite with star sophomore quarterback Caleb Williams, um, as both hail from the Washington D.C. area. With the two most important transfer additions of the offseason in Addison and Williams, can USC compete? 
for a national championship. This is amazing. Because of the transfer portal, USC is back in the thick of things. According to Circus Sports, when you look at the odds for next season's college football playoff champions, it's Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, Texas A&M, and then now USC. They are in the thick of things. And the updated Heisman Trophy odds, because Caleb Williams has his wide receiver, C.J. Stroud, number one from Ohio State, Bryce Young. Caleb Williams is now number three. So I'm very excited for our USC Trojans. Brandon, the issue is, you touched on it, can they stop anyone? They can score 50, 60 points a game. Can they stop anybody? This is going to be reminiscent of the Oklahoma teams that Lincoln Riley has coached. I know he tried to implement a defense last year with uh, Spencer Rattler, who was originally the quarterback at Oklahoma before the switch. Corey Foreman's going to have to step up. They got a lot of transfers defensively, but yes, they are a college football playoff contending team. The issue is the Pac-12 is the best it's been in three years. Utah is arguably a top five team. Oregon is a dark horse, especially with Bo Nix transferring there. So, I mean, it, look, this is great. I, we predicted this, and we got to give a shout-out to our guy, Jeff Fellinser, who helped yeah. show Jordan Addison around campus, around Annenberg. That's a fun and fact. I did not know that. Yeah, That's yeah. Awesome. He posted pictures on Instagram. Right. He's got the connects. He knows everybody. Exactly. Um, but he kind of helped. I'm not going to say he, put, he got him in the bag to come because I think Addison was going to come to SC anyways, but he definitely helped. And we got to give a shout-out to Jeff right there. And, look, this makes their offense unstoppable, really. I mean, it's going to be about the defense, right? And that's going to be tough. But I think 10 wins is definitely possible, maybe 11. So does that mean that you guys are... Like a shoe in for the Pac-12. Like let's not talk no. championship right now. But not a shoe in, yeah. Because no. to- Utah has yeah. experience. Utah is dominant on both ends of the football, defensively, offensively. So if we win that game, then that's a whole different story. But there's still a lot of tough teams. UCLA Liner came on last week, said UCLA is still good, and they mm-hmm. are. They're getting Dorian Thompson Robinson back. Charbonnet, they're a good running back. So we'll see. This is going to be a tough Pac-12 this year. I'm, I'm predicting like 9, 10 wins for USC. What I'm excited about, though, is that the Coliseum will be packed. I think at, the, at least at the very beginning of the season, and, you know, we've seen a lot of this this happen, Jihei, in terms of it's really good on paper. We'll see how it turns out. I really hope that that's not the case with USC, but it was so depressing. Uh, these Those last few home, not just the last few, I mean, the entire last couple of seasons of Clay Helton, half-empty Coliseum, like a very apathetic fan base. They were booing. You know, the booing went to just not showing up. They were like, I'm tired of booing. I mean, this team was so bad. So now you have one of the best coaches. They've recruited some of the best players and they've really gone from not being a a postseason team, a below 500 team, to being one of the top five, six, seven teams (laughs) in the country. Well, the Dodgers have won four straight games, and Mookie Betts has been heating up at the plate. Thank God. Um, still, um, is it concerning that Max Muncy, Trey Turner, and Cody Bellinger have yet to show off their power and hit the long ball? And will players that usually get 30 home runs and 30 steals like Trey Turner now get between 15 to 20 homers because of the long ball? And... Is this uh, dead ball good for baseball, and can it be changed? I want to get Brandon's thoughts on here because, A, I'm not concerned about these guys. It's a long season. You knew, you know, at some point at the beginning of the season, it was like, what's up with Mookie? He'll be fine. I'm not concerned. But 
where, where, where do you stand on this? Yeah, look, this is this is bad for the game of baseball. We've came on the show and talked about how Rob Manfred has really not done a, a great job over the past couple seasons being the commissioner. No offense to him, I think he's a smart guy, and I think he has the opportunity to um, be a very good commissioner. But look, this dead ball is terrible for the league. Like I mentioned um, a couple weeks ago, the Dodgers, uh, Muncie is not hitting home runs. Bellinger's not hitting home runs. Trey Turner, who used to be a 30-30 guy, is maybe going to hit 15 to 20 home runs. I know it's a long season, but he only has, what, three, four? And Mookie is finally heating up, but this is this is not good for teams like the Dodgers that play on the West Coast. It's not a band box like Yankee Stadium where Aaron Judge is still going to get his home runs and all these guys are going to get their home runs. The dead ball is affecting the West Coast. Otani has eight to nine doubles off of the wall that would have been home runs. That hurts his MVP race a lot because he's hitting about 250, 260, and he's got tons of extra base hits, but he only has like seven home runs. And I know he's pitching great, but... That's a that's a problem for a lot of guys. I know Mike Trout has 11 home runs, should have about 16, 17. He's had a couple off the wall too. This isn't good for baseball. I mean, no one really wants to see. It's not like pitchers are being dominant either. They're good this year, but it's not like we're going nine innings, no hit balls a lot of times. This is like, we need the long ball. The long ball is good for baseball. I don't know why they keep doctoring the balls each year. It makes no sense. Like, stick with the ball and stick with the way the flow of the game. Well, guys, because it's the Rashford Causey <laughs> show, and we always have to shoehorn a Laker question into the headlines. If Jason Kidd were coaching the Lakers with Jared Dudley on his staff, would the Lakers have made the playoffs this season, or was no one going to be able to salvage them after the Russell Westbrook trade? Listen, I love Jason Kidd. I mean, defensively, and we keep talking about this, the way that he coached his team against the Suns was fantastic. That being said, Frank Vogel is a fantastic defensive coach. It wasn't that Frank Vogel can't coach defense or Frank got they just gave him a really crappy roster and i think that this roster was so bad so mismatched that i think even jason kidd could not have helped it what 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 they should have done and they were so cheap on the caruso front they were cheap on the jared dudley front you need glue guys and i covered the clippers when jared dudley was there he is a glue guy he's someone who could talk to the vets talk to the younger guys he's a voice of reason so these were such little things on the margins where maybe you're saving a couple bucks here and there so i don't think they would have all you know made the playoffs with kid it would have been great if they had kid because i think he 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 was the guy that they viewed as maybe the coach of the future it was going to be really hard for them to to fire frank vogel like less than two years post championship though yeah look jason kidd wouldn't have been able to save this team in, in, in actuality, although this team was terrible, LeBron was still great, and if Anthony Davis was even somewhat more healthy, they would have won 40 games at least, not 33. Yeah. I think another thing is teams are coming at their head. We mentioned this. Every game, everybody wants to beat the Lakers. They're the class of the, you know, the historically the best organization in basketball. I know the Warriors are now probably a better run organization than many other organizations are, but it's... It, it's just hard. Jason yeah. Kidd wouldn't have been able to save this. You got to get rid of Russell Westbrook. Yeah. yeah, I mean Jesus wouldn't have been able to save hey, exactly this Coach, this, this roster. Coach Jesus. Yeah, he wouldn't have been able to save this team. So I mean, like, you know, he could have he can walk on water, but he can't. He couldn't save this team. I mean, there is such a thing as like camaraderie and you know 
being able to be like brothers and all, all, all that stuff. And we we talked about you know chemistry. Yeah. And this team just doesn't have that. You no, know, it's mm-hmm. it's very much like a paycheck kind of a, a, a squad. And it just I don't think coaching would have helped. I don't think anything would have helped. And I think like kid would be dealing with what Vogel's dealing with right now. He'd be unemployed. So yeah. I mean, be be grateful that you didn't get the job because now you'd be. Yeah, looking for a job, so I, I don't think that anybody could have saved this squad uh, due to that to that trade. I think they would have been slightly better, not enough to make a difference, but the difference would have been that they would have probably actually listened to him and not completely tuned him out like Vogel. Vogel, like you mentioned, Arash, he had great defensive strategies. It's just that nobody cared to listen to it, and I think kids' former career in the NBA would have actually had them buying in a little bit more but like you said Westbrook being there it was unsalvageable from the from the get-go yeah no it definitely helps when you're actually a player and they're gonna bring him back possibly (laughs) come on now (laughs) well guys it is Friday thank god um what are what are you guys looking forward to this weekend uh the big thing for me is Saturday night tomorrow Juju Smith-Schuster his foundation will be having an event in downtown looking forward to catching up with Juju Smith-Schuster talking to him about what's happening with USC football right now yeah I'm I'm gonna be watching these basketball games hopefully they get a little better a little closer um but we'll see I'm, I'm hoping for a couple Dallas wins yeah. me too Mavs Warriors go Mavs <laughs> um Preakness. Oh, that's right. In Baltimore. Preakness this weekend. Oh, yeah. So Horse I, racing. I'm, underrated. I'm, <laughs> I'm super psyched. And obviously, Stanley Cup. Oh, Stanley Cup. Love the all Preakness. Day. All right. Let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll be joined by a good friend, Michael Duarte. When we return right here on the Mighty Air 1090 in Southern California, the fan in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with $12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circus Sports. With two ways to win and no rate. Circa Million with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. And Circa Survivor. Select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with 12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircaSports.com for details. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a... Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or want to win tickets to an upcoming sporting event in Los Angeles, Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline, 310-400-0340. Okay, let's now go to the Circa Sports guest hotline. Circa Million, Circa Survivor Pro Football Contest with $12 million and guaranteed prizes are back. Visit CircaSports.com for details. Here he is, our good friend, Michael Duarte from KNBC4 in Los Angeles. Michael, how are you? Rush, I am good. Thanks for having me on. As always, and if I have a little bit uh, of a morning fog in my brain today, it's because uh, I was up late last night. So ah. I'm ready to rock. And how are you feeling, my friend? I know uh, you. But by the way, COVID is uh, back up and running. The Dodgers broadcasters are not traveling with the team right now. The number of people who've had it recently. I mean, how are you? 
Yeah, you know, uh, Jaime Harin, who is beloved, we need to keep him in bubble wrap here, as well as Charlie Steiner, both tested positive. It is going around the Dodgers broadcasting team. They did not travel to Philadelphia with the team on Thursday. Uh, It is a little concerning. Uh, A lot of people in the press box, by the way, at Dodgers uh, also had tested positive over the last few days. So it is spreading going around. L.A. County has moved into the from low to medium risk uh, zone and range. Uh, but I, I started testing negative, I believe, last Saturday, so almost a week ago, and I've been back to 100% and ready to rock ever since. Love it. Uh, let's start with our uh, USC Trojans here, uh, Michael. Jordan um, had us in a Bolitnikoff Award winner, top wide receiver in the country. He is now a USC Trojan, joining Caleb Williams. Uh, really, this this moves USC from a team that didn't make the postseason, were not in a bowl game a year ago, to one of the top 10 teams. Uh, your, your thoughts on our USC Trojans now? Well, I could pull a Nick Saban or a Jimbo Fisher <laughs> right now, or even a Deion Sanders prime time right now. But uh, I'll let those guys argue in the South uh, about college football on their own right. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it's pretty interesting that, that former assistants and head coaches uh, amongst the power five teams, especially in the SEC, are feuding and fighting. But over here on the West Coast, Arash, we have our feet kicked up. The sun is out. We are hanging out on the beach. And we have a big welcome banner at LAX for the Blitnikoff Best Wide Receiver in the Country Award winner, Jordan Addison, who rumors have been swirling for uh, about a month now since he entered the transfer portal that he would be spurning Kadon Slovis, former USC QB, I might add, who transferred to Pitt uh, to come join Lincoln Riley and the Trojans. And now we have firepower on offense at almost every single position. Uh, including big transfers on the offensive line that went silently and quietly by that nobody talks about. But yes, the USC Trojans now are stacked on offense. And this is exactly what I expected to happen with the Trojans and Lincoln Riley when, when Lincoln Riley agreed to come here, Arash, was that he would instantly and very quickly, happening quicker than I expected, I might add, but make this offense a powerhouse. Uh, and when it comes to catching footballs, Arash, Jordan Addison is like a MX black card. He never declines. <laughs> so he will be catching he will be catching footballs now at the Coliseum. And uh, as Lincoln Riley said, it's now upon us, the alumni like you and I, fans like I know Jihei is, uh, to come out and fill and pack the Coliseum uh, every Saturday uh, for big games. And I just tweeted out after that Jordan Addison uh, news, uh, the the betting line for week one came out. I know you love your betting line, yeah. uh, Arash, uh, sports betting here. Uh, USD now 34-point favorite wow. uh, on September 4th, their, their home opener uh, <laughs> against Rice. So that is a big deal, adding Jordan Addison. Probably changed that line from 28 to 34. No doubt about it. So, uh, Michael, the Dodgers are playing well. They were off last night. Five straight um, wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, m- m- uh, Mookie Betts is playing extremely well. No surprise there. Is there some concern, though, uh, with the struggles of Max Muncy, Trey Turner, Cody Bellinger? I mean, we've been talking about that for a couple of years now, but is that a concern? You know, it's some, for some of those guys, it is going to be a concern because we've talked about the new deadened ball that MLB has admitted to using. Uh, we see the home runs numbers down across the board, batting average numbers down across the board. We are now entering the era of the starting pitcher, uh, and we're seeing no hitters rise 
uh, faster than a, a helium balloon when it's let go by a, by a little toddler. And so uh, there is some concerning with some guys that we know will be affected like this. You and I have talked about in the show, guys like Justin Turner, who finally, thankfully, seems to be heating up like the prodigal son, uh, hitting that game-winning three-run home run uh, to sweep the Diamondbacks uh, on Wednesday. Uh, Mookie Betts is now finally heating up. He leads the team in home runs with eight. That's a good thing to see. And Freddie Freeman continues to, to hit the heck out of the ball. You know, Freddie Freeman, the other day I was talking to him, and, and he kept – I kept I asked him about the fact that it just seems like this entire homestand, even against the Phillies in those three games they lost, uh, Mookie Betts would start the game getting on base, Freddie Freeman would get on base or knock Mookie Betts in, and then Trey Turner would, would inevitably – knocked both of them in, and he was like, you know, uh, he is in awe of, of Mookie Betts, a former MVP in the American League, a World Series champion. He's in awe of having Trey Turner, uh, the 2021 National League batting champion, hitting behind him. But it's Freddie Freeman who leads the team this year in batting average. He's batting 312 this year, Arash. Trey Turner, if he wants to uh, become the the reigning defending undisputed and, and keep his title as the NL batting title. He's fallen behind his teammate, Freddie Freeman. He's batting 280 this year. So, you know, it doesn't seem like Trey Turner's that far off, but it's true. He's, he's that far behind. But, you know, when Max Muncy's batting 167, like you mentioned, and we know that he, as far as the analytics are saying, is uh, one of the key persons in this dead ball era who will be affected by it. Uh, that's not a good sign. It does. What is a good sign, though, um, among this recent homestand is that Max Muncy seems to have realized, you know, maybe not try to hit a home run every time. Maybe try to slap the ball to, to right field to get a base hit. Uh, also, I saw him on the field pregame. I believe it was Wednesday practicing his bunts to beat the shift. It might have even been Tuesday ahead of the doubleheader. And sure enough, he laid down a bunt to beat the shift. So he's trying to find better ways to get on base and raise that batting average as well. But yeah, it's a little concerning for guys like Justin Turner and Max Muncy and even Cody Bellinger. These guys were expected to hit 25-30. And in the case of Cody Bellinger, maybe 40 home runs a year. But with the new dead ball, I don't expect that number to be so high. So these guys need to figure out how to get on base. Cody Bellinger had a multi-hit game uh, on that Wednesday game. So it seems like they're figuring it out, which is good. Um, That that basically it's better to just find a way to get on base, line the ball somewhere, uh, than try to pop out the warning track by by attempting to hit a home run. Yeah, Michael, Brandon Deutsch here. Thank you for being here again. Uh, I wanted to ask about the 49ers win total. We know the Rams are going to be good, but nine and a half game wins. Um, I think the it's a lock for the over. I think people are forgetting how, not dominant, but how well coached the 49ers are. What do you think this this has to do deal with that this that a lot of people are predicting this team could be worse than last year when I think it, it's obvious that they're better adding a, a dominant corner in Ward, Trey Lance's development. I mean, if he plays, they could still go with Jimmy Garoppolo, um, some running backs, some good wide receivers. Defensive players are back. Kinlaw's going to be back. They added Drake Jackson. What do you what do you think the the that the sports books are seeing here that maybe we aren't? Yeah, throwing me a curveball here, Brandon, like a Clayton Kershaw <laughs> curveball. I know 49ers. I know 49ers I'm a 49ers schedule, fan. But you know what? I am a 49ers fan myself. Yeah, <laughs> both of us are. Let's go. You know, I grew up a 49ers fan, so I'm a, I am I love the Rams, obviously. I love L.A. I represent those teams. But I did grow up a 49ers fan watching Joe Montana throw the ball to Jerry Rice, watching Roger Craig in the backfield, Ronnie Lott. 
uh, you know, intercept passes. Those were my guys, John Taylor back in the day. So I'm excited about about the 49ers. Um, they, have, they have two things to figure out. You're right. They did add more. They did add a lot of good pieces. Uh, uh, only a couple pieces left. Uh, but they have two big question marks hovering over them, which I think is affecting that win total you see in Vegas. One is, what are you going to do with Jimmy Garoppolo right now? As of, as of today's date, with OTAs beginning here very soon, he is still on your roster. Is he the starting quarterback? Is he the backup quarterback? Is there a team out there that's going to trade for him? Uh, and if you are indeed going to keep both of them on the roster and you're going to move forward with the Trey Lance era, then what do you do with Jimmy G? Uh, that, to me, is a question they need to get fixed and resolved. Same thing in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield, for example. Uh, and then Debo Samuel. To me, Debo Samuel is the best player on the San Francisco 49ers. He can do it all. He's a Swiss Army knife. Uh, he can run, he can pass, and he can even throw. We saw a couple times throwing for touchdowns. So he is such a dynamic player uh, that they need to find a way to bring him back. But obviously he's not happy and he wants out. And So they're going to have to do whatever they can to make him happy and bring him back. Uh, and bring him back in a way that he stays engaged and he remains to be the best player on the offense as far as how many touches he gets. But to answer your question and the answer to why, uh, I tweeted this uh, maybe, I don't know, a week ago when the schedule came out last Thursday, but the San Francisco 49ers, uh, as well as the Arizona Cardinals and the Los Angeles Rams number one, are in the top five for strength of schedule. Uh, so we, if the, if the Niners can beat the Seahawks, that's two wins there. Obviously, a game against the Bears early on. Uh, but you have the Rams twice. You have the Cardinals twice who are going to be much improved. Uh, I think they can beat the fan, uh, Panthers and Falcons. But then you have to play host to the Chiefs. You have to play the Chargers. You have to play the Saints. Uh, you have to play the Buccaneers and Tom Brady. Uh, you have to go to Las Vegas to play the Raiders. Uh I think the nine wins is, is a good, accurate spot. Just like I think uh, ten and a half is great for the Rams. Now these teams we think should be better, but when you look at the schedule and you actually try to count the wins, that's exactly where the numbers are at. And that's assuming they beat the teams they're supposed to beat. And as we know, sometimes you can lay an egg in the NFL. Sometimes you can have an off week. Sometimes a COVID outbreak can happen, and you can lose some of your guys. And there's so there's some parity there uh, that's normally not there. So if you just look at the schedule and say, okay, they're going to win these games. And then these other games are question marks, they're toss-ups, they're right around there. Uh, but I, I honestly think that we could see three teams out of the NFC West with the Rams, 49ers, and, uh, and Cardinals, excuse me, just like we did in 2021, all three teams making the playoffs. So, Michael, you should have seen our friend, Brandon, look at the schedule. He was like John Gruden, remember? Win, 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 buy, win, win. And I said there's going to be a few opposites. There's going to be an injury. Michael's higher on the Cardinals than I am. The whole Kyler Murray situation, the the laying the egg in the playoffs, I think they'd be lucky to win nine games, the Cardinals. This is a two-team division race, in my opinion. Well, timing timing matters, uh, Brandon and Arash, yeah. both of those situations, because uh, when you face the Cardinals November 21st, uh, I believe that's the first time they play them, I'm pretty sure with my math is up that, that DeAndre Hopkins will be back by then. Yes. Uh, and that's a big deal, whereas with the Rams, they get them early, I think they play them the first time without DeAndre Hopkins. So I look at it without DeAndre Hopkins, that's a win over the Cardinals. With DeAndre Hopkins back and, and Kyler Murray and potentially full strength and health, uh, that's a tough team, and I would probably say the Niners split instead of sweep sweep them. Yeah, uh, based on the fact that that they're playing them twice with DeAndre Hopkins expected to be there. Uh, but like you said, they also I think end the season 
uh, hosting the Cardinals in that game could have a huge impact on the playoffs. Maybe one team is getting knocked out. But like I said, I look at it like like you did. This is a win. This is a win. This is a win. Guaranteed <laughs> win. You know, like I, I think the, going to Atlanta and playing the Falcons is a guaranteed win. Uh, I think hosting or going to Chicago and playing the Bears is a guaranteed win. I think both Seahawks games are wins. There's four. I think the Panthers is a guaranteed win. There's five. But then after that... What about the Rams? Uh, the, they always beat the Rams in the regular <laughs> season, right? Two guaranteed yeah, they, wins. No, they, I'm kidding. They no. do. But I'll, I'll even except say for the NFC Championship. Except for the biggest except game the in the last five years. when it matters the most. And Aaron Donald is the guy that has to put his ears back. Yep. So they're six. The Commanders is seven. And then the rest are toss-ups. So even if you say they split the rest or something, you know, that's ten wins. So um, that's how I'm looking at it. Uh, if they do get 10, you're right, they hit the over. But the other thing is we don't know the quarterback situation right now. And if it is indeed Trey Lance going to be handed the horns and handed the keys to this Ferrari and expecting to drive it, there's going to be some growing pains for, from a guy who's going to be starting for the first time. Uh, all while we saw Kyler Murray in his first year as a starting quarterback. Uh, we expect big things, but we don't know. And so that's going to be the biggest thing. Like I said, they have to figure out the Debo Samuel situation. They have to figure out uh, the quarterback situation because uh, Jimmy G starting and Debo Samuel coming back to me gives you more wins obviously, than if Trey Lance is starting and Debo's not coming back. So those are the big question marks hanging over the, the Niners. Yeah, Michael, unfortunately, we haven't had a competitive NBA game in a while, but what are your <laughs> overall thoughts on the conference finals, and who would you say is your, your favorite to win it all at this point? Yeah, you know, even when the Suns were still in it, I never thought the Mavericks would get past the Suns. I'm, I'm very disappointed in, in CP3 laying an egg. Uh, in Game 7 at home, allowing yourself to get blown out by 40. The only way I thought that the Mavs win that game is if Luka Doncic goes otherworldly, uh, and, and he's capable of having a game like that. And sure enough, he did, and it coincided with the Suns having their worst game of the season, as Monty Williams said. So, uh, But regardless of who went got past that round, I had the Golden State Warriors back in the NBA Finals. And I had the Golden State Warriors, to be honest with you, winning the NBA Finals. I thought also whoever came out of that Milwaukee-Boston Game 7, and I thought Boston would win it, but I gave the Bucks a fighter's chance as the defending champs. Uh, but just without Chris Middleton and Ulster on your team, uh, it, it makes you not as strong and not as good as you were as the team that did win the title the previous year. So uh, I, I thought when I heard that Marcus Smart and Al Horford weren't going to be playing in game one, that that's a victory for the Heat. But if both of those guys were able to come back, which they did as we saw in game two, the Celtics put it on them. And now I think the Celtics, as long as Marcus Smart and Al Horford can stay healthy and the rest of the starting lineup stays healthy, can beat the Heat uh, and they can do it in six or seven. Uh, it'll be a good series with the Mavericks. I know people are picking the Mavericks as a favorite. Uh, to me, I don't see it. To me, I just think the Warriors have been together too long. Uh, they move the ball better. They have too much firepower on offense. They can go on spurts where you can be up 10 and suddenly be down 10. So I like the Warriors and Celtics in the finals. I don't know how many of these games are going to be competitive, to be honest with you. But I think that's going to be a great series because the Celtics' defense is what has turned their season around. Uh, and Jason Tatum is, is becoming a superstar right in front of our eyes. And so I think that a, a Warriors-Celtics series, even though I'm going to pick the Warriors with their uh, – veteran experience and, and championship backcourt with the Splash Brothers uh, to take that, that series if that's what we end up seeing in the NBA Finals. But don't get me wrong, the Celtics have the defense and the talent to, to beat them, which we don't want to hear as Laker fans. So 
Uh, give me a Warriors-Celtics finals uh, with the Warriors beating the Celtics. Uh, Michael, last question for you. It is Friday, and we always thank you for coming on Fridays. What are you looking forward to this weekend? Again, we got the hockey playoffs. We've got the NBA playoffs. We've got the Dodgers on the road in Philadelphia. What are you looking forward to most in your last two minutes here? Yeah, so I love hockey. As you know, Arash, we have out those Kings games. There is nothing better, in my opinion, than watching live hockey in the playoffs. The environment, the atmosphere, it is it is unlike any other. And so I'm looking forward to seeing if the Tampa Bay Lightning, the two-time defending champs, who are now up on the President Cup winners, the Florida Panthers, uh, two games to none in that series. I'm looking to see if they can pull that off. I'm watching the Battle of Alberta, where the Flames and, and Oilers, with two of the best young players in the league, and Connor McDavid and Johnny Gaudreau, scored 15 goals in game one. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how many goals they ski, uh, score again. And then also my pick to win the entire Stanley Cup and hoist the trophy at the very end was the Colorado Avalanche. And they're in a dogfight with the St. Louis Blues, which I did not expect to happen. So uh, I'm looking to see if there's an upset there, perhaps. So I'm watching the Stanley Cup playoffs. And then secondly, uh, the Dodgers have a rematch with the Phillies, who put it on them with Bryce Harper. Who And I want to point something out. I know I know my time is running up. And I'm, for your listeners, I'm probably more annoying than a fly in the kitchen right now. But <laughs> Bryce Harper is not able to throw a baseball for the next six weeks. Wow. But because of the new universal DH rule, he's still allowed to bat in the lineup and bash the Dodgers like he did at Dodger Stadium. Philadelphia is a hitters-friendly park. It's a park Bryce Harper knows and loves and knows how to hit on and he can hit the ball out of. I'm looking to see how these Dodgers pitchers attack Bryce Harper as the DH in the lineup moving forward. Uh, and for people who wanted to see Universal DH, Bryce Harper would have been on the IL uh, probably right now if it wasn't for that. So careful what you wish for because uh, now it's going to rear its ugly head against you. And So that's what I'm looking forward to the weekend. Well, Rosh, what are you looking forward to watching uh, on sports this weekend? You know what? It's a little bit of the playoffs, and Michael, I do want to see a good playoff game. I mean, th- these have been some good playoff games, but man, I mean, I, I think the Mavericks are a perfect example of this postseason where they've won three games by 20 lost three games by 20 points. So all I want is a good postseason. I, and, and the one thing... And I think you would agree with me, my friend. We are both Lakers fans, or at least I, you know, and, and we're both from Los Angeles. I cannot have the Lakers not make the playoffs, and I cannot have the Celtics win the championship, win one more than the Lakers. So at the very least, I'm a Miami Heat fan. I am the, a fan of the uh, team that comes from the Western Conference this uh, postseason. I, I, the, the, that's my one thing. No Celtics championships. I do not want to see that. But, yeah, like, just give me some good games. The hockey playoffs have been fantastic, Michael. I, I was yeah. just going to say, you guys should just be watching hockey. I know. Like, I know. No offense to the NBA, but you should just be watching some good hockey. Yeah. And you'll, you'll be entertained I, forever. I think if, if I just focus on the hockey playoffs, I'd be a happy sports fan. But I've been watching some of these blowouts. But, Michael, you're the best. Look forward to seeing you. In real, like in person, haven't seen you in a while, but let's do it soon. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again on Monday. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying, stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing. Currency chasing worldwide through the hard times. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.